Hi, I'm Sean. And I'm Dana. Welcome to My Neighbor's Table. A podcast for adventurous eaters. Or perhaps this time, Sean, we should say bonjour. Why should we say bonjour? Because we're eating French food. So our podcast this week is about bouillabaisse, which is a French fish stew. And frankly, I don't want to talk too much because we had the most amazing interviews for this mm-hmm. podcast. And maybe we should just let them talk. What do you think, Dana? I think so. I think they say it all. All right. So we're at uh, Fleur de Sel Crepere in yes. uh, Spokane, Washington, up on the South Hill. Uh, we've been here a couple of times before. Mm-hmm. Uh, me more than uh, Dana, because I love crepes. And well, good. not that I don't. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we're here. We're here to interview... Uh, uh, yep, uh, this is uh, Laurent Ziroti from uh, Fleur de Sel restaurant in Post Falls and also from the Crêperie in, in, uh, in Spokane. Well, thank you so much for being willing to meet with us. Um, oh, I'm happy to be here. You know, anytime we can talk about food, I'm happy to be that, that guy who talks. <laughs> and I talk a lot, so. <laughs> I understand. So we were wondering, um, kind of first off, um, your background, how you ended yep. up, because it's interesting that you came from Nice, right? Well, long story short, I was raised in the east part of France, nearby Alsace, so a region called the Franche-Comté, so south of Alsace, close to Switzerland and Germany. Then I, uh, I did my first uh, school, catering school, uh, in, uh, in Tonon-les-Bains, on the lake of Geneva. Uh, and then I moved to an hotel and uh, restaurant management school in Nice. That's where I met uh, my beautiful wife, Patricia. And uh, she was in, uh, we were in the same uh, college where I was studying uh, the hospitality industry and she was in the tourism section. And um, we met and uh, that's 35 years ago, a week ago. So that, uh, that's what uh, we celebrated uh, last week, 35 years together. Okay. And then, uh, thank you, thank you. That's good. We are happy to be together. <laughs> and uh, then uh, uh, we, uh, I moved to uh, to the to the states. I wanted to travel, so I moved to San Francisco, and that was uh, 1983. Patricia uh, joined me the the year after, finishing college a year later, and um, we lived in uh, in in San Francisco for three years. We decided to move to New York City. Wanted to live in the Big Apple. And on our way to New York City, believe it or not, we stopped in Billings, Montana in 1987. And we stayed there for three years. We opened a a small restaurant called La Toque. And um, it was, uh, well, it was different. (laughs) But it was a great experience. I was 23 years old. We were 23 years old. We were a a partner with a a friend. And uh, 23 years old. Being the owner of a restaurant, that was a great experience, something that I will never forget. This is great to this country, you know, and to, to be an entrepreneur, no matter what age you are, you can do it. And um, then we didn't work, it didn't work that great at the time. We were a little bit of ahead of our time uh, in 87. We moved uh, in France, back in France, where we started to work for corporate, uh, corporate big corporation. I worked for a big uh, luxury group hotel group and casino in France. Mm-hmm. Started as a banquet manager in Cannes at the convention center, the Palais des Festivals, where they have the film festival and yeah. all that. And ended up uh, across the street at the Hotel Majestic as a deputy general manager 10 years later. Uh, in between, Patricia worked for American company. Uh, she was lucky to speak English every day, to be around Americans, and we missed the States a lot. And uh, we decided to go, to go back. We had two kids, Enzo and Luca at the time, I mean, we still have the kids, <laughs> but they were six and four. And uh, we decided to come go back. Place that we knew was uh, Billings, Montana. We came back in 98 in Billings, Montana, opened a restaurant called Enzo Bistro, and um, worked great. Did, I mean, the world of uh, food in 10 years changed so much in the 90s, the Food Network, the anything, I mean, in the 80s in Billings, we couldn't find the olive oil in the supermarket, you know? Finally, <laughs> we get some different cheese, different this, and so the, the scene, the restaurant scene and the food scenes changed dramatically, and we were very uh, pleased about that. After a 10-year run, uh, we uh, decided to move, and we moved, uh, we wanted to stay in the Northwest, where a great friends who said, well, you know, you should look at Cordelaine. That's a French name already, we can pronounce <laughs> it, you know, so that's one thing. 
Uh, and we, I don't know, by, by destiny, by luck, whatever you want to call it, we ended up in Pass Falls in a beautiful place on top of the hill. It's been 10 years. We're celebrating 10 years anniversary this September. That was great. I mean, we, we had a great move. Uh, I'm from the northern part of Italy. I mean, I'm from France, but my family, uh, my last name is Italian. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather left in the late 20s Italy um, as an immigrant from the northern part of Italy, so region of the lake. Yeah. I was in school in, around the lake of Geneva, so Kerdalen was not, it was propice. It was exactly <laughs> what I wanted and Felt what like I home. needed. Felt like home, <laughs> pine trees, Water, not salted, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. So, you know, it's been 10 years. Three years ago, we decided to to do some other things. And uh, to, uh, we feel that as a a cook, uh, as a French cook, with a French accent, you can tell, I feel like I'm an ambassador. And as every cook should be, an ambassador of what they know and what the culture they come from. And then that's what this country is about. Melting pot, the culture, embracing whatever anybody can bring good to this country. So we decided to do something very French, and I think uh, crepe or crepe, crepes are very French. And uh, we decided to open that crêperie uh, three years ago in the South Seal, and we're very happy. We're a great team here, and uh, it's been good. It's been a good run. I was really excited when the crêperie opened because yeah. um, I went to grad school in Vermont. Oh, okay. And there was a crêperie there called the Skinny Pancake. Okay. Oh, yeah, I like that. In Montpelier, and I would yeah, eat there. Yeah, that's a French world. A French town, <laughs> Montpelier. I would, I would eat there over and over and over again when yeah. I was at grad school uh-huh. and stuff, and I'd come back here, and it just wasn't anything. Yeah, yeah. And um, actually, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had a large upsurge in, like, oh, there's yeah. been a couple of crepe, um, other crepe groups open since you yes, opened yes, up here. Yes, so yes, yes. And, and that's good, you know. It's, uh, I mean, we're not a very, very traditional creperie. I believe that uh, you adapt to mm-hmm. the clientele and you adapt to, you know, I've been here 25 years plus now. And um, am I a 100% pure breed French? No. At, even at first, I'm not even, I'm half and half <laughs> Italian and French. Therefore, I have to change. I have uh, my, my palate evolved, the way I cook evolves. I know my basic, I know my, my tradition, uh, I know all the classic dish, but you know, I change through the years mm-hmm. and, and I believe if you don't change, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of life, is that you can, uh, you can make the way you want yeah. and not always uh, you know, be rigid to anything. And that's good for anything around you in life. So. So I'm very, very happy. We don't do, like I said, very, very traditional one, but I like the product. I, we have a good product here. Yes. A, a very <laughs> good, very good, uh, very good value for the price. Yes. So that's good. So no, it's, it's been good. Yeah. Talking about immigrants, mm-hmm. if I may throw the story. Go for it. Absolutely. We love we are, We're talking about, well, Bouillabaisse. We're talking about Bouillabaisse yes. here mm-hmm. tonight. Yes, we are. Yeah. That's why we are together, right? Yeah. We have nothing as best to offer you, but mm-hmm. let's imagine. And talking about immigrants, you know, and you, you, there's plenty of best in the world. Mm-hmm. One famous in, in, in America is Chopino. Yeah. And it's San Francisco, but it's immigrants mm-hmm. who created that dish, you know? So that's a way to adapt to where you are and who you are, where you come from and where you are going to and changing little things to make it now it's a classic if you yeah. ask if you ask somebody oh chopino oh it's an italian dish and you tell them no it's not oh yes it's an italian dish yeah. like meatballs like uh, italian dressing like uh, all those things that are not italian uh, pure italian but they are what immigrants brought with them and adapted to 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 the palate and to uh, the flavor of the country, mm-hmm. which is, I, I think it's a great, great way to, to evolve in cooking. Mm-hmm. So I gotta say, I'm, I'm very excited to meet you. I, um, oh, okay. I'm a huge Food Network fan. Oh, um, oh don't even have... go there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I miserably failed. And oh, uh, but I, the thing is like, I was just excited. I'm excited every time we see um, Spokane as the city it is. Okay. 
um, or post falls or all the region yeah, represented yeah. Um, on the big stage because yeah. I don't think people realize how good the food scene yes, in this area it is. Does and how change up and, and coming it is. Oh yes, yeah. and uh, there's some great chefs, young chef, not like me, younger, <laughs> with more passion, and uh, they are they are they are dedicated to what they do, yeah. and that's you know they make the effort, mm -hmm. and in a, in every job, you can have uh, the knowledge, you can have uh, the capacity. But if you don't make uh, the the effort and if you don't have the heart to it, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna make it better. And yeah. there there are there's a bunch of chefs here that uh, that uh, I, uh, I I appreciate very much, and and some of them have been to the Food Network too. And, yes. Uh, and uh, I I you know I I really uh, I'm very happy for for that new, mm -hmm. not new, but another generation. You know mm -hmm. my. My days are <laughs> soon to be at the end of the tunnel, you know, but they are not. They are in their prime, yeah. So, which is great. Well, and it's interesting because we've heard of Fleur de Sel. Okay. We just haven't actually been yet. Oh, um, you have to. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been... it's hard to find. Babysitter. Yes. Babysitters, <laughs> I know. yes. It was kind of a stroke yeah. of luck that we managed to uh, both be here, both be here, here actually. this evening. Yeah, yeah but mm -hmm. we, the first time we heard of Fleur de Sel had to have been years ago and um, it was mentioned that it was in Idaho and like even yeah. our like our view was like oh, stopped at the border oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we I couldn't even imagine mm -hmm. well we had a recently uh, uh, a private dinner with some uh, people with a lot of knowledge in wine it mm -hmm. was about wine it was a private dinner and uh, they always do uh, this dinner in, in Spokane and once they uh, they moved across the border, yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they went in in the boondocks in <laughs> in, in Falls, you know, and and uh, they well, you know, they uh, they said it was the best French dinner they had uh, in forty years of experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I'm not here to brag, uh, but I will. No, go for it. <laughs> no, I won't. But we are good at all all the components of yeah. being a, a restaurant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, uh, chefs forget that uh, there is more than just the plate. Yeah. There is other things. To me, service is extremely important. I'll take any day uh, a mediocre meal with a great service than the opposite. Any day, I'll take that. Because it's personable, it's uh, there, you know? I mean, you can have a genius chef and uh, if you are in bad company, or if you have bad service, your experience is gonna be ruined. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's uh, very important to have all the key ingredients. And for that, and the price, the value, you know, I think we're, we're, we're pretty good at that, at yeah. uh, having the good recipe for being a restaurant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's, that's uh, I think it's, I'm proud of that. Proud of my staff, proud of, uh, the team we work with, the, 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 the price we put out, the, the effort we put in. Very proud of every, everybody, yep. Mm -hmm. So uh, what makes French food unique? Oh. I know, that's a big question. To you say, you asked that to a French guy. <laughs> uh, I'm starting to uh, bump my chest, <laughs> be like the rooster, yeah. you know, and, uh, and be uh, arrogant, no. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think uh, part of it, and uh, you know, we're talking French food, so French, in general, the culture of French food, or mm -hmm. the, the image, the image that people give to French food mm -hmm. is uh, uh, two, two, two images. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the bad one. The bad one is uh, arrogant people, mm -hmm. uh, not friendly, small portions, and very expensive. Mm -hmm. That's French food, mm -hmm. but it's not. The other part is people that went to France as visitors, tourists, and they went in the countryside and they saw, uh, uh, you know, the the true culture, what we call the terroir. You know, mm -hmm. things that, uh, well, you eat this and you drink this, and this is magnificent together. <laughs> That's why, yeah. you know, and and. Why we do this like this? Because it's been 200 years or 300 years that it's been like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's French food. I believe that the technique of French cooking mm -hmm. is uh, now in every single restaurant in the United States. You know, I and and uh, yeah, yeah I've never, I've never been to a cooking 
like school or anything yeah. like that. I've, I've, I'm home taught, but I know French techniques. Yes, like, and they're <laughs> they're part of uh, on everyday uh, work as mm -hmm. a cook. You work around French technique. We are not, uh, we don't have a, uh, you know, a big uh, Asian culture. I mean, we we do, but we don't have those techniques mm -hmm. as much as French food, French technique came to uh, this uh, to the gastronomy yeah. in the United States. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's important. Um, we we uh, I'm glad that you say that the scene is changing the U.S as far as the gastronomy is changing so much, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, you look 20 years ago, uh, how many cooks were happy to work uh, the hour we work, mm -hmm. the environment we work in, whether it's cold or hot, uh, the long hours, mm -hmm. you know, the lack of pay we have in the industry, yeah. uh, and be happy to work. Not many at the time. 20 years ago, they were working for a paycheck and you know, that's it. Now you have cooks that they don't care. They invest in their future. They want to know, they want the knowledge, they want the experience. They're excited, they are passionate. That has changed. Mm -hmm. Well, in France, it's been like that for, I don't know, a long time, <laughs> a long time. I, was, I started when I was 15 years old. I went to school when I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And we were in a special school. Uh, where we were the only school in France who owned a, a restaurant and an hotel run by the student 24 seven. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I was, uh, I woke up sometime at 4.30 in the morning to do the breakfast service at the hotel. Or on Christmas, I was like, oh, I'm going home. No, you're not, because you gotta work at the hotel or the restaurant. So we, we knew that. We knew what we were getting into, and if you didn't have the passion, you would have quit. Yeah. So, but that's when I'm 15 years old. So you have, you have to, to have a little tougher or thicker skin than, than some kids now, you know? And, uh, and uh, so I'm happy that it's changing, but for us, it has been like that for a long time. Mm -hmm. As a server, we talk about food, cooking, it's always mentioned, you know, because people think we are rocket scientists. We are not. They call us chef, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't know why they call us chef, you know. I agree that my colleague at work called me chef, but Sean, don't call me chef. You call me, <laughs> you call me Laurent, right? <laughs> and that's it. So we're, we're not. But service, it's the same idea. You had people here, when you say, oh, wow, oh, I was a server. Yeah, because you paid for your college or you paid for going out or things like this, and then you moved on in life. Well, in France, it's not a shame to be a server and you're 50 years old mm -hmm. yeah. because it's a profession. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. You deal with people. You have to have the, the psychology of the customer. Mm -hmm. You have to have so much knowledge about wine, about food, if you want to be a great server. And I think it's changing also as well here. You, you go to big cities, big restaurants, uh, they're professional. They know what they do and they, are, they intend to do it for a long time. They yeah. are not here just for, for the college, uh, you know, <laughs> and pay, paying for the college. Mm -hmm. So that's what France, I think, brings in, in as, as a better, I don't want to say that, better, mm -hmm. but as, a, as our trademark. Yeah. That's our trademark. Mm -hmm. We are professional. And when you sign for it, you know where you're getting into. Um, and I think that's, that's what French cuisine is, is, is not better. I don't want to say better because, because I, I don't believe in better or French, better Asian, better Spanish, better, you know. A good meal mm -hmm. is any meal shared with good people. Mm, that that's true. a good meal. Mm -hmm. The rest is just subjective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you talk about bouillabaisse, we're talking about beer. I can make you the best bouillabaisse right here, right now. It's not gonna be as good as the one you're gonna eat on the, on the Vieux-Port of Marseille, you know, yeah. because, because you're gonna be in the, in the mecca of uh, the bouillabaisse, you're gonna be excited, you're gonna have maybe the worst bouillabaisse ever, mm -hmm. but it's gonna be the best for yeah. you. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who was traveling in Burgundy mm -hmm. and uh, from Montana good friend and uh, love wine loves wine 
and he was sitting in a small village, you know, I don't remember which, but small village, almost pedestrian. You can see, you can feel in the, in the summer, the heat, nice on the terrace, not, no cars, uh, you know, the, 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 the old stone and yeah. the cobblestone and all that. He was drinking a little glass of wine as an aperitif, and um, he said, this is fantastic glass of wine. And the lady said, well, you know, we're wineries right here. If you want, you can get, a, you know, a bottle, two, or even a case. And he went to the winery. The bottle was like six euro, you know, seven bucks. So well, I'll get a case. You ship it to. This is fantastic. It's the best value wine I ever had. Came back in Montana, spent some time. He forgot about that case. And in the winter, he saw the case laying around. He said, "Oh, I'm going to open a bottle of wine. This one was fantastic." Mm -hmm. And he started to sip and went, <laughs> you know, like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> it was just plain regular red wine but at that time at that moment his brain changed completely the way he tasted that wine yeah. because it was euphoria it was perfect all, yeah. all around so the wine had to be perfect so sorry uh, it, oh, but it's right. it's uh, it's the it's the idea you know food food is uh, very subjective what mm -hmm. is good to you may not be good to me well, but um, good company yeah. is not subjective. Oh, no. Yeah. That's part of our podcast, actually. Yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, we're, I wanted to talk about bouillabaisse because yes. um, <laughs> it's <laughs> been um, the traditional Christmas Eve dinner of my house. It's unbelievable that you, from California, is it, you bring that, I mean, as, as a bouillabaisse, not you, I'm not saying the chopino yeah. or anything. It's bouillabaisse, well, right? Where, it's, where did that tradition start in your family, Sean? It's funny because my mom um, and my dad had very different Christmases. So okay. my uh, grandfather on my dad's side was a firefighter. Okay. And so Christmas Eve was when they did everything. My mom uh, did everything on Christmas Day. And so their tradition on my mom's side was they'd have soup. Christmas yeah. Eve, so they could have a huge meal on Christmas Day. Light, uh, light in the evening, yeah. and uh, yeah. And so the what they ended up having because they had to come to some kind of a compromise. Compromise <laughs> was they would do soup, and then they would do the big meal. But the soup would be something fancy, and so my mom okay. picked bouillabaisse. Oh, I it see. It sounded fancy. Well, it is. It, it is, is, and it's not. Well, and it's funny because um, I started cooking it according to my mom's recipe when I left California and came up here, mm -hmm. and. I realized after a while I was making chopino. Yeah. <laughs> um, or something very similar. You know, there was Completely. oregano, there was sage, there was yeah. all these things in there that I haven't seen. So I've, I've since moved more towards the traditional French yeah. bouillabaisse just because I wanted to try it. And it's and, so and good. they are so <laughs> different layers of bouillabaisse. Oh, yeah. You know, I, mean, I, like I, the, I like the fennel in bouillabaisse well, a lot. I'm not even talking. I mean, the ingredients are ingredients. Yeah. But if you look at bouillabaisse, I had bouillabaisse. Uh, the way I add it, I add it, I, the cook, the way I cook it. Mm -hmm. um, so let me explain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bouillabaisse is a like chopino. It's fish that nobody wanted. Yeah. They didn't sell. Most of it in in Marseille, it's rockfish. Mm -hmm. All the the poisson de roche. So the rascasse, the grondin, lots of uh, how do you call that uh, bones. Yes. Nobody wants that. So what they were doing is that they were cutting the fish, putting it in a stew. So yes, because of Marseille, fennel, tomato, garlic, saffron, yeah. and pastis. Yes. You, can't, you have to have pastis. Oh, I can't find it. No, just get Pernod. It's the same. I, I can't find that either. Yes, I've you can. Go, go to uh, Post Falls, uh, in, uh, the liquor store. They have Pernod. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if you don't, you come at the restaurant, I'll give you a shot for your bouillabaisse. I'll, I'll give you a shot for your bouillabaisse. But you gotta have, you gotta have Pernod. That's the bouillabaisse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you would eat and you would uh, decorticate the, the fish the best you can. And, and, and that's, that's a very simple dish, very mm -hmm. country-like. Then you have the, the bouillabaisse that I learned how to cook at school, and where you go to uh, uh, La Petite Bouillabaisse on the Vieux-Port of Marseille, they are going to serve you that. Yeah. I, I had one of the best bouillabaisse, and talk about being biased. Uh, we were excited. We were moving back to the United States. We had a visa to pick up. We went to the consulate in Marseille. And we were in Marseille, and you know that beautiful port, Roman built. You know It's just beautiful. And you say, well, let's have lunch. And we had bouillabaisse that yeah. day. And it was in 98 with Patricia. And before we moved here, like two months before to get the visa, 
And uh, so they, you know, they, it's more fancy. And it is a fancy dish, very expensive in restaurants. And, uh, you know, they, they, so they, they bone the fish first. Yeah. They, uh, they make a broth out of the fish bones. Then they cook the vegetable and the fish. They serve you the soup before, so just the broth with the proper rouille, with the crouton, yeah. and you eat that as a soup. Then they come with the fish, the potatoes, the fennel, and all that, and you have the aioli also with it, mm-hmm. uh, the rouille, and you eat, so it's two meal in one, basically. But if you eat, it used not to be like that, it used to be like the chopino, where you put everything in a pot, <laughs> make it to a boil, done, and it's cooked, and that used to be more like a country style. Mm-hmm. And you have that, if you look, you have on the Mediterranean basin, you have the same dish. You have east of Marseille a dish that is similar to uh, to bouillabaisse. Where we were in Nice, they had on, on, on the viewport they were not serving bouillabaisse because bouillabaisse is Marseille, but they were serving bouride, the bouride. So it's a fish stew, same, you know, yeah. a little more different maybe ingredients, but if it's fish stew, uh, on the other side of. Uh, of the border in uh, Genoa, on the Ligurian, it's the, the Burida, so it's the same Burida, Burid. Yeah. You have to remember that uh, it's only Napoleon who made that part of France, France. Yeah. It used to be Italian, it used to be part of the uh, uh, kingdom of, uh, of uh, I think it's Genoa or the kingdom of Savoy. One of them, it was different, but it was one, one big county, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to Spain, Paella, is mm-hmm. the same deal, you know, you add some meat and you put rice, you know, yeah. but there is saffron, there is mussel, there is fish, you know, there is, so there is, it's all that, uh, all that region, they have their own dish, but it's, it's similar in, in a way, you yeah. know, but bouillabaisse, I agree with you, it's a fancy soup, now, I mean, it's very fancy, it's very hard to make, I, I don't make a, a bouillabaisse at the restaurant, because I truly believe that, uh, if I if I buff, put buff bourguignon, I have to make a buff bourguignon. If I put bouillabaisse on my menu, I have to make bouillabaisse. Yeah. And it's as a restaurant, it's too complicated. It's yeah. too many steps. It's too fragile uh, to serve uh-huh. uh, for service. So I'd rather do. I'm, I'm putting on the menu uh, a salmon à la nage. So. Uh, you make a broth, I'm going to make a lobster broth, and I'm going to poach the salmon in that broth with vegetable. I'm going to put fennel, potatoes, things like yeah. this. But I don't want to call it a bouillabaisse, because it's not. <laughs> you know, I made once a great bouillabaisse with some friends in Montana. They had a beautiful, the guy was a fanatic of food from Georgia, from Atlanta, and uh, Bob and Anna. And they were, uh, that's a beautiful property, like, many acres, small cabin, all log, log cabin, yeah. beautifully built on the, bed, on, the, on the river, small river fishing, trout, trout fishing yeah. river in Montana, and uh, in the Galatin, uh, close to the Galatin uh, mountains. And uh, he was always craving for good food. He had in his own house a kitchen just for him. Yep, is the kitchen, you know, mm-hmm. and he had made a little next to the kitchen a little room with a wolf, lo- uh, a wolf uh, ranch with professional type things, yeah, just for cooking. Unbelievable. And uh, he said, I want a bouillabaisse. I'll say, Okay, Bob, for that, I'll make a bouillabaisse. And it's the best bouillabaisse, bouillabaisse I made was in Montana, believe it or not, yeah. you know. <laughs> But you know, I didn't use rascas. I didn't use grondin. I got some uh, some monkfish. I got some uh, rockfish, red rockfish. I got yeah. some. I put scallops in it. I put mussel. Sometimes there is none of that, you know, in there. It doesn't have to have shellfish in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I did, but I did the broth, like you say, with the fennel, with the fennel pastis, with the saffron, made a roux, get the crouton. So we did right, and it was a it was a beautiful dish, beautiful dish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. We do clams, mussels, shrimp, okay. um, and uh, whitefish. Last yeah. year we did halibut, which was really good. That's a chopino. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. That's the, the that's my mom though. That's, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. Um, what what should we what what goes best with a bouillabaisse? What should well, we serve ne- I, next to it? <laughs> So you eat the soup, then you eat uh, that dish. It's very hard to do because uh, first you eat the soup, and then how do you 
keep all that beautiful fish and vegetable on the side. You have to keep it warm in order, you know. Most of the time, they bring everything together and you eat together, the soup and the fish and, yeah. and vegetable. Mm -hmm. uh, I would prefer white, but you know, what do you like? Okay. Uh, if you like red, go for it. It's going to taste better because you like red. Uh, if you like rosé, rosé would be perfect for it also. But a good white, mm -hmm. uh, I would say a bandole mm -hmm. white. Again, we talk about terroir. You have Marseille next to Marseille, a few miles away. A beautiful wine region that is fantastic. It's bandole, B-A-N-D-O-L. Mm -hmm. And they produce some great uh, white. I truly, I believe that the uh, the, the grapes, I'm not sure, but it's Marsan, Roussan, maybe a uh, type, uh, it's a blend. But I would definitely go for a Côte de Provence white, uh, a white wine uh, from Provence. That would be perfect. Okay. Bandol is exceptional. So you, you can find that, you can find that in Yes, I know. In I can. Spokane. Vino. Yeah. Um, so you have the uh, the Crouton and then you said the, the Rui? Yes, um, Rui. So it's an aioli yeah. uh, made with uh, 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 saffron yes. and, and cayenne. So it's a touch spicy. The rouille touch of not spicy, but a little spicy. With our kids, we, we, we've been doing little bits of spicy. Just to put a, a touch. <laughs> saffron is, it's, unfortunately, saffron is expensive. Uh, we found that um, the, uh, the halal markets yes. um, are a great place to go for saffron. It's, okay, you can yeah. get, I mean, it's not, you know. Oh, in the valley, in the valley. Well, yeah, the, okay. it's not, it's not going to be that really high end. Um, but Indian, it, but you can get a good Spanish, yeah, Spanish, um, Spanish. a good Spanish saffron yeah. for cheap if yeah. you go to the right places. And and even Spanish saffron, you can you know if you find the pistols, yeah, uh, it's expensive. But you can, I remember my mom using uh, saffron in in, you know, she had to cook Italian food obviously, and she was cooking always risotto a la milanese, which is with saffron. Yeah, and uh, she would never use pistol of saffron because it's too expensive. So she she was bringing. And counterfeit almost like a, like a, she would take a case of it from Italy where we were spending our, our vacation. We we still have a my grandfather's house in in Italy, so we would spend all, all our vacation there. And she would bring a box of those little package, yeah. tiny package of powder. You know yeah. that when you put it, it turns orange or yellow and tastes kind of like saffron. Yeah, but it's really not pure saffron. You don't know what they put in, but. But that's what uh, we, I grew up with, you know, yeah. so. Um, so we were wondering um, yeah. for, um, I mean, my experience with French cooking and French food has always been at restaurants. Um, and yeah. other than bouillabaisse, um, I've never attempted. So if there was a dish that you think that I should definitely try. Or, or anybody. Or any, anybody should any, definitely try to make. Yeah. What is that dish? Or anybody who's <coughs> new to French cooking French wants cooking. to wants to well, dip their toes in. Well, I think uh, you should buy a Julia Child uh, cookbook. <laughs> 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 I definitely do. Yeah. And uh, and make a bœuf bourguignon. Okay. Okay. A bœuf bourguignon, you can make it at home. You could even make it. Uh, you know, people. Are, I don't know why we don't cook as much at at home with that uh, uh, equipment, but. Pressure cooker are fantastic. Yeah, we have. You one. know, the problem with uh, uh, all those cut meat cut, you know, the chuck, the the, the tail, all those tough pieces, it takes forever to cook. Yeah. But you make a bœuf bourguignon in forty five minutes. You can. Mm -hmm. I, ex I, I experienced that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't make it to the final, but on Bobby Flay, that was the dish. That was the bœuf bourguignon. Yes. And it was in forty five minutes, so you can make it. Uh, but bourguignon is it's easy. There's always a, a ball of red wine that you open you don't like. Don't throw it away. <laughs> don't throw it away. Or it's corked or something. Yeah. Don't throw it away. Put it, put it aside. You'll cook with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a good piece uh, of beef, uh, like I said, a chuck or a rib. Or, uh, my favorite is oxtail, you know, the beautiful. I love oxtail. Oh, it's so flavorful. And that will bring the sauce so much, you know, bone flavor yeah. to that, you know? I love oxtail. So, about bourguignon, it's very easy. Uh, you'll be surprised how good that turns, how delicious it is with some mashed potatoes or some fresh noodles or even some rice, whatever you like. It's good. And you can make it, uh, you know, I, uh, more and more people are, you know, a problem with gluten and all that. And 
So you can make it without a rule, and you don't have to make a rule. Yeah. You just make it redu by re reduction, and, and it's fine, you know. Yeah. So, but Bourguignon, I would say it's a classic, and mm -hmm. and uh, you won't be uh, uh, disappointed. The key to my, I think, the key to the Bourguignon, it's the end. It's the garnish. You make your red wines too, right, with the beef and all that. But at the end, you have to add sauteed bacon to have that smoky flavor to it. And you have to add either or together. The classic is together, but you can do either. Pearl onions and quarter mushroom, mm -hmm. brown glaze. That's very important. You have to brown glaze them with a little bit of uh, sugar, salt, pepper, butter, water. You reduce it make until the caram caramelization. Yeah. And you add to your buff bourguignon that it brings some sweetness to it. Most of the wine you're going to cook with are very... Uh, very tannic, you know, there are lots of tannins, so mm -hmm. as soon as you cook them, they're going yeah. to, so you need a little bit of sweetness to it, and that will bring you to that sweetness, beautiful, but that's a little touch. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more questions? Bouillabaisse, that's it? Good? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I know it's oh, getting late. And yep. no, thank you good. for sharing your passion for food. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Like yeah, I could, wonderful I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, it's been wonderful. And thank you. And then um, for everyone uh, who is in the Spokane area, please come to uh, Florida Sub Capare on... Um, Grant <laughs> and... Rockwood. Yeah, yeah. Grand and Rockwood, um, or to uh, Floricel Restaurant in Post Falls, which yes. is at? Uh, at uh, on top of the hill on the golf course of the Highlands. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that, well, just Google. <laughs> just Google. <laughs> just Google it. Google. Floricel, Post Falls, Floricel, Spokane. Yeah, but come by and try out these restaurants. Um, see if you can get there and <laughs> meet uh, Patricia. I know she works in the front. Yes, yes she does. You can possibly meet Laurent. Uh, and just uh, come try the food because I've been to the Carpare and I know it's delicious. Thank you. I well, you got to gotta make a, a point to come uh, at the, the restaurant. Yes, yeah. I will have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You make croissant, then you go to eat <laughs> that with your wife. Deal. No kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. So it's the Saturday before Christmas Eve and I'm starting preparations for Bouillabaisse. Why am I starting so early, you might ask? The answer is pretty simple. I make my sourdough bread from scratch. This is not essential to have the kind of bouillabaisse that we have, but it's something that I've always done, something that my family likes to do. My mom used to do this all the time. So I am in the process of getting my starter fed and ready to go, and then I will probably bake off my bread tomorrow afternoon. So to do this, I've taken equal parts of my starter, flour, and water. Um, I will let those sit throughout the day uh, to kind of feed up and get ready to go. And then in the morning, I will mix together my dough, which will then rest for pretty much most of the day, to be honest, to get the rise that I need to have off of it. And I'll bake it in the afternoon. Uh, this year, I made my starter from scratch, which was a lot of fun, to be honest, and kind of tricky. But something worth doing, um, starter kits can be expensive. If you have kind of the basics, it's not too hard. It's actually very similar to um, how we made injara bread. You take flour, water, and um, let it sit and gather wild yeast strains. Now, <clears throat> the uh, process took me five days, and I did a feed every day. So basically, you take your flour-water mixture, um, at whatever proportions you take. Uh, I did roughly equal portions of flour water and um, to get the process going. And then as I developed starter, I would take that and then do again, equal parts for feed. It sits over a period of however many days it takes to kind of get a clean sour smell to it. Uh, it is suggested that you use a whole wheat flour because the um, external uh, bits of that are taken out in bleached flour or in unbleached uh, processed flour, heavily processed flours, uh, those actually help in the propagation of wild yeast. But I did it with just regular flour and it worked fine. So whatever you got around the house. And you just kind of let it sit and go. When you get around to bread making, um, you should pour off some. I tend to keep back, mostly because I want to have a lot of sourdough starter, but we feed our starter every week, which is a great time to make bread. Um, again, equal parts, water, flour, let it sit. 
Um, we actually named our starter this time because I've had problems keeping my starters alive. So our starter is Ernest after the importance of being Ernest by Oscar Wilde. So I will get back to creating this spread and I'll have some pictures up on the Facebook page that you can see of the process. All right. So my uh, sourdough starter got a nice rise, got a really good sour smell to it, got lots of little activity and bubbles. Um, the recipe that I use uh, when I make sourdough is the one from the Clever Carrot. So if you look up Clever Carrot Sourdough, you'll find their beginner's guide. It's really, really um, complete in what it talks about. It has in there an auto lice uh, system where you let it sit for 30 minutes before adding in the rest. I have never followed that. My bread always turns out pretty okay. Um, I feel like if I did follow it, I'd probably get a little more delicate crumb um, on the bread because salt and yeast don't like each other all that much. But um, honestly, it's a time period thing. I just don't have the time to do a 30 minute autolyze every time. So I'm going to create my bread now uh, using my fed starter and then I'm gonna let it rise overnight um, and I'll bake it tomorrow, um, probably in the morning and then have it ready for uh, Christmas Eve. So it's uh, Christmas Eve day and I'm just starting in on uh, bouillabaisse. I'm currently making the rui, which is a uh, sauce that tends to go with this. Um, I read somewhere that um, bouillabaisse without rui is like Marseille without sun. Having never been to Marseille, I'm not quite sure that I understand that joke, but you know. A sauce with a soup? <laughs> so uh, rui is a, um, it's a bread thickened sauce typically made with baguettes. Um, <clears throat> it's got, let's see, garlic, um, water, cayenne pepper, salt, and olive oil. It actually comes out in an emulsion a little bit like a um, aioli would, but it's typically served on slices of bread along with the soup or in the soup itself. It's a very, very French thing to do. So Dana, what do you think of the idea of Rui? Uh, well, is it savory or sweet? It's savory. savory. It's more salt and kind of a little spicy, but not too spicy. Sounds like sounds like um, like a savory butter jam. Basically, like yeah. Like bread bread lubricant. Yeah, basically, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, I mean, he meant it was. <laughs> it was mentioned um, by um, uh, Laurent in our interview with him. Mm -hmm. um, he kept saying Rui, and it seemed like it was just a flat out given. All right, so I am in the process of making the bouillabaisse at this point. I have prepped all of my vegetables, which include leeks and fennel and onions and garlic um, and tomatoes. I reserve the fennel prawns for decoration. It's very important. I have a nice big pinch of saffron. And as we said earlier, saffron can be expensive, but there are places to find it. I cannot recommend enough finding your local uh, Mediterranean, your local Arabic um, store somewhere that would sell Middle Eastern, um, Mediterranean, Arabic foods. They tend to be a good source for these. We've got our fish sitting in the fridge still because that goes in last. I've got pretty much everything at this point ready to go, including the Pernod, which if you don't know what Pernod is, Pernod is a liquor made with herbs and star anise. And it smells pretty much exactly like star anise, which if you don't know the smell of star anise, it's basically the smell of licorice. Like with all good soups, this is a long burn cooking process. We are serving our Christmas Eve dinner tonight at three because we have plans for this evening. And I'm going to be starting cooking in about 14 minutes, which is about one o'clock. So you figure about two hours to make this soup and to make it well. You can make it in less, but it is going to not have the depth of flavor. The first thing that I have to do is I have to cook down all these aromatics. The aromatics in this case, those are the onions, the fennel, all of that, um, until they really are reduced and caramelized, at which point I can add in the tomatoes, let those stew for a little bit, and then I put in basically everything else, the fish stock, the pernod, the saffron, the, um, uh, the bay leaves, all of that stuff, and I can let it kind of cook out for about 20 minutes. At that point, if I really wanted to, I could make this ahead 
I could start with that process and then leave this until say another day if I wanted to. It'll keep in the fridge for a while, but I like the process of cooking. Once all of that is done, that's when I'm gonna be adding my potatoes and my fish. Fish cooks at different rates, so depending on what fish you're using, make sure you know the rates they cook at. We are gonna be using mussels, clams, and cod. Um, we'll be putting the cod in last. We'll probably put the mussels and clams in at about the same time. I need to double check my cook times on those. A note on shellfish if you've never cooked with them before. If you have a shellfish and it does not open, it is bad. Do not eat it, do not force it open, none of that. Uh, shellfish should be alive basically when you put them in uh, and as they cook out, they will open, uh, letting you know that they are done. If they are still closed, that is a bad fish. Do not eat that. The uh, recipe I have says to toast some baguettes, put them at the bottom of the bowl, and then put everything on top of that along with the roux. I'm going to go for kind of the way that I've always had it, which is bread on the side. I'll have the roux with that. Uh, I like that method personally because I like having my bread there. I don't like my bread getting soggy, and that'll keep it nice and warm, um, ready to go. Plus, it adds a little bit to the table because we'll be cutting it at the table and then passing it out. I recommend with this dish as well having um, a good amount of butter. Uh, homemade butter is always my personal favorite for those people who don't like the roux or can't hand, handle the heat of it. There's cayenne in both the roux and in the soup. The cayenne in the soup uh, should cook out. The cayenne in the roux should kind of mix in with that bread. It shouldn't be too hot, but there will be a little heat in this dish. So fair warning for that. The last thing to note on this is to have uh, something to drink. Uh, we got a rosé from the uh, Bandal region of France at the uh, recommendation of Laurent Zerotti. If you did not understand, uh, necessary Bandol is a French wine region. It's B-A-N-D-O-L. Uh, the one we're going to be using is uh, La Bisté Blanc, uh, which is, uh, we were told that it has kind of a heavier, uh, kind of a more wine forward noted it will hold up a little bit better but we also provided beer because not everybody likes wine um, the beer that we're going with in this case is a saison which is a flemish style wine, uh, beer that has a belgian style yeast to it it's a more old world this one in particular comes from bellwether brewing company in spokane uh, so it's an a gruet so it has no hops it uses various herbs instead so it's going to have a nice note. Uh, the thing I like about saisons with a dish like this is saisons are on the sour end of the beer spectrum, not all the way sour, but towards that direction, which means that they're a little more palatable for people who don't like sour beers, but they also pair well with things like fish because they add a bit of an acidic quality. Wines with an acidic quality go very well with fish. Heavy tannic beers uh, or heavy tannic wines or very heavy malty beers will mask kind of that fish flavor. So I'm going to get rolling on that and we'll have our interview with our guests coming up next. All right, so we're having uh, bouillabaisse for dinner. Uh, we are here with um, Lauren Armstrong. Uh, Lauren is a friend of the family. She uh was a uh, midwife at deaconess hospital and was there through the whole process of i think both of our children yep mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah um she's also been a great supporter of the arts in spokane and of food in general in spokane from what i've heard uh <laughs> so she's here so uh lauren really quick um what do you know about bouillabaisse well my grandmother was french and so i know quite a bit about bouillabaisse she made it, she had her own recipe. I've made it a few times. Um, I was just about to, to tell Sean about a time when I was in uh, the Philippines. I'm the wife of a retired Navy officer. So we did some traveling around. We were in Europe, both Europe and Asia, which was very cool. And I traded cooking lessons with people. So that's what I did. I had learned to, to cook Japanese while I was, before he joined the Navy. And then I traded lessons. So like when I was in the Philippines, I taught them Japanese cooking. When I was in Italy, I taught them Philippine and American cooking. Um, when I went to Japan, I taught them Italian cooking. So it was really fun. Um, and I got to learn a lot of really cool things. But bouillabaisse, um, I had a bunch of junior officers and their wives over for 
for bouillabaisse, and I had this wonderful big head of a lapu lapu, mm -hmm. which is a local whitefish, oh, yeah. really delicious. And I used that in the broth, but I knew that they would freak out if they knew what was really in there. So I, I deshelled everything and did not tell anybody about the lapu lapu head. <laughs> well, the this one particular young woman who was from Kentucky, that's not to say Kentucky's bad, it's just to say she had kind of limited life experience. It's inland. <laughs> yes. It's inland. They, they don't yes. experience the variety yes. of fish. Yes. She, yes. she was she was struggling. She was struggling with the the cuisine and the Philippines anyway. But unfortunately, and unbeknownst to me, she went out to the kitchen and lifted the lid and there was that lapu lapu head staring up at her and she left. She couldn't Well, that's too bad. Yeah, isn't that too bad? But it turned out it was wonderful bouillabaisse, but I really missed the shells, and I've never made it since without the shells. Oh, I love I love cooking with the whole of everything. The um, the thing about like fish head is oftentimes the cheeks yes. are the best part of so the yummy. fish. Like halibut cheek, I know is mm -hmm. one of the absolute best parts. Um, so what do you think of the rui? Mm. It really deepens the flavor of the broth. Yeah, so the Rui F uh, was, again, that um, bread thickened sauce, mm -hmm. um, lots of cayenne um, Yeah, it's in it. nicely spicy. It gives you that little catch right at the back of your throat, not in the front of your mouth. You don't really, it's not that spicy, but you can just taste it there kind of at the back of your throat, which is perfect yeah. in, in my particular paradigm of spiciness. Well, it's, it's sat for a little bit. We made it at the beginning of the day. I'm glad I did because uh, some of that very forward garlicness mm -hmm. kind of sat back a little bit in yeah it. Um, it was very garlic forward yeah. when we started it's, it's really more of a garlic spiciness yeah well garlic wants to run the show mm -hmm. you know yeah. it really does if you let it take over you yeah. <laughs> gotta be careful with garlic especially if you're using raw mm -hmm. it, it definitely needs a minute or two to sit about mm -hmm. oh this is delicious though i do have to say i'm pleasantly surprised by this wine as I am not a rosé person. Me either, but it really goes nicely with the fishy. So I'll put a picture of the bottle up on um, the Facebook if anybody's interested. And what have I done with my bread? I have dumped it in here and soaked it all up. Yep. <laughs> in this wonderful, wonderful broth. Often, what do you think of it? Good. It's good? <laughs> you like it too, Liam? Mm. Mm -hmm. But better with bread. It's, it's better. Well, it's better up, with I'd bread. Like to recharge me as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Oh. So one of the things that uh, Laurent was telling us is that. Um, Thank you. He thinks that uh, place has more to do with food than uh, quality, often. Uh, which is fortunate for us because we have this whole concept of you know meal with friends as mm -hmm. part of our. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the context of um, around a meal mm -hmm. is very important. Oh uh, yes, the in I, I found it, especially in Italy and Sicily, you sit down and <laughs> you're liable to be there for hours and hours and hours. The the record that we set um, one time we went up to a, a vineyard. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't a vineyard. It was a lemon grove. They grew lemons there, mm. and in. In Italy, they don't finish the buildings very much. There's something about taxes. If you've still got rebar sticking out, you don't have to pay taxes or something. So um, we sat down at 10 o'clock in the morning, started eating in this um, sort of like half-finished villa up on the mountain on Mount um, Etna, mm -hmm. which was only erupting a little bit at the time. And... Uh, the kids would kind of like run back and forth. They were playing out and climbing trees and stuff in the orchards and mm -hmm. adults would just sit there. Mm -hmm. And the women would get up like in shifts mm -hmm. and go to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And we ate until 10.30 at night. Wow. We just sat there and chatted and stuffed ourselves. <laughs> so I am definitely an advocate of the sociability of eating. Mm -hmm. Uh, around a table altogether. Yeah, we, um, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but my, uh, my mom grew up Quaker. And so I did not know that. Food was a very central point of mm -hmm. everything. Um, <laughs> uh, so for those of you who don't know, Quaker is a uh, branch of Christianity um, centered very much around the idea of communal living and mm -hmm. community um, itself rather than a lot of the other kind of heavy strictures. 
And so my mom grew up like huge meals with everybody. She was a cook at a camp wow. where she cooked for like 400. Um, so we actually do bouillabaisse because of my mom, because my mom would do it for Christmas Eve oh. every year. And that was okay. the uh, compromise that she worked out with her, uh, with my dad, which was basically he wanted a big fancy meal on Christmas Eve because that's what he did because mm -hmm. his uh, uh, my grandfather was a firefighter um, she wanted simple and small because they always mm -hmm. had a big meal on Christmas so they always had soup on Christmas Eve so the mm -hmm. compromise was that they had soup right. but they picked the fanciest sounding soup they could find which was oh, bouillabaisse funny. Uh, which, which ironically is... she makes chiapino <laughs> yeah but, oh. and, and, and also uh, bouillabaisse uh, Laurent was telling us uh, it's, it's kind of like mm -hmm. You know what you got lying around. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's peasant just, food. It's, it's cheap as all peasant food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing it in the very catch peasant. of the day. Definitely. Yeah, we're doing it in the very peasant style where everything's kind of put together. Right. Um, he was saying that like, you go to the fancy up upscale restaurants and they bring you like the potatoes, the fish, mm. um, on the side, <laughs> and mm -hmm. then like they bring you the broth and then they bring you all the fish that goes in the broth. Right. And you eat it all it, with bread and mm. brewy and. <laughs> And you oh, put it together it's like a on your several plate. course meal. <coughs> yeah. Well, I love to play with my food. So that whole concept of taking the pieces and putting them together and playing with them is really appealing to me. But um, yeah, in my grandmother's, <laughs> the civilized part of my history, because I'm mostly Scottish, but the, <laughs> yeah, that and they're, you know, well, haggis. But um, oh, I like haggis. I do too. <laughs> I do blood pudding and all those things, um, which is why I didn't have any trouble with the fish head. Let me tell yes. you. But um, my my family, my fr the French part part of my family, came from France to Charleston, West Virginia. They were glass blowers, and they founded the glass industry in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. So they were very well to do. And on Christmas Eve, before the Christmas Eve service, which in those days was always at midnight, which is ridiculous, crabby kids, and everybody's tired. But anyway, um, what you would do is you'd go like from house to house and distribute the presents and stuff. So you would, but there might not be anybody home because they were doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So in this, this little French community, you would go all around, but there would always be food there. It'd be a pot of, pot of soup or um, a salad. It was kind of like a progressive meal almost. Yes. Um, but things that didn't need a lot of attention because the host and hostess might well be some someplace else at somebody else's house because they were doing the same, same thing. So when I was a child, I kind of grew up with that mm -hmm. um, tradition. My grandmother, my dad's mom was Irish and, mm -hmm. and thought the whole thing was absolutely ridiculous. Well, the, the, the mixing of cultures and things is what interests mm -hmm. me. Um, Laurent was telling us about, um, I know all of you have heard this, but I'm going to tell Lauren anyways, um, uh, about like bouillabaisse, how it's this dish that you go to different regions of France and it has a different mm -hmm. name. It's basically yeah, it the same dish. And then you go to uh, Greece and it has a different name. Mm -hmm. You go to Italy and it has a different name, but it's all pretty much the exact same dish, probably with Roman roots. Right. Um, in fact, there's a really interesting story about Venus and her <coughs> her husband and her lover and bouillabaisse, but we don't need to get on that right now. But um, <laughs> I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Uh, apparently, uh, she really, really wanted to have a tryst with another god, so she fed bouillabaisse to her husband until he fell asleep oh. and then went and had her tryst. Goddess of love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, basically, it's, it's similar to Cipollino. Mm -hmm. You know, it's whatever you caught today, right? Yeah. And whatever was laying around. Some things that you always have. You like say garlic. rockfish is used a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because that's easy to get. Well, and it's interesting because saffron is used predominantly mm -hmm. in this dish. Mm -hmm. And, like, we always think of saffron as just outrageously expensive, mm -hmm. but I mean, when you move a little closer to the source. Saffron is a spice that is gathered from the stamen of crocus, well, specific crocus, specific crocus plants. Um, and honestly, those grow in the U.S. We just don't do it. It's not a cottage industry here. And um, 
I mean, you'll get different qualities from different types and from different places. That's why you have Kashmiri and you have Moroccan and you have Spanish and you have all of those. Um, honestly, saffron sometimes is just saffron. And especially when you're putting it into a soup, don't stress about it getting the most expensive saffron because mm -hmm. it's going to color your soup and it's going to put a little bit of flavor in, but you're going to kill most of that flavor in the cooking process. Right. I mean, if you're putting it into a paella, I can understand. In that Still. case, get Spanish. But <laughs> depending on what else you're putting in your paella, true. You know, if you're doing a lovely, delicate paella with seafood, and because that's another type of dish. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing it at the shore with lovely, mild seafood and stuff. But you know, if you're putting sausage and stuff in. Well, we learned recently the original is rabbit and snails. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Rabbit, snail, and what else? Well, because it's Basque, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah. yeah. So they're in the mountains of sheep people. My my palate expanded significantly uh, upon meeting Sean. I'll bet. And uh, <laughs> and having his cooking. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just really really happy to get to eat some of it. Mm. I've been watching pictures of it. <laughs> well, and I have to tell you, a couple of times I've been like, oh, I should make that, and then I do, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. You know, a little inspiration to. Because, of course, figuring out what you're going to make is the challenge of day-to-day -day cooking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really appreciate your blog and, oh, you know, you. your Facebook because it's really, it's it's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could make that and just add variety into your family. And there's no reason that we have to be stuck with hamburgers and fries. I mean, most of the time, the foods that you get from other places are satisfying in smaller amounts because right. there's so much in them. And not that difficult to put together. No. Mm -hmm. Once you get your pantry kind of stocked with these things, so, so much of it is just, you know, you add a fresh protein, maybe some fresh vegetables. Mm -hmm. I did get in the habit in Europe of going to the market almost daily. Mm. I love doing it, but it's so expensive in the States. Yes, <laughs> it really is. I love summertime, though, because we oh, yeah. have a farmer's market every almost every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. um, except, uh, wait, yeah, except Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say the there's one day, day where there isn't. But, and you don't have to even go very far afield. Right here in Spokane proper, mm -hmm. I think, every day. Yeah, there's, um, uh, what's, well, I mean, we It's up north on after. Tuesday. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so getting fresh ingredients Vegetable-wise, is pretty easy here mm -hmm. in season. My family were poor hill farmers in West Virginia. Yeah. And I remember visiting my Uncle Lou's farm and spending time there when I was these kids' age, just mm -hmm. little, you know, five, four or five. And we would sit um, and, and make beans. Okay. We take the the big rubber, the big green beans, and string them on, you know, string them, and yeah. then string them on strings and hang them in the barn until they were dry. Yeah. We call we called them um, something British beans. I've been trying to remember. I can't remember what it was. Hmm. But and that's you know when we were little kids, we didn't have to run around. We didn't have to have a video thing. We sat down. I saw a posting not too long ago that said, you know, what's wrong with the world today? We don't show peas with grandma anymore. <laughs> and that's you know again, that's like sitting around at a table. I think. And doing the preparation mm -hmm. uh, as a family and mm -hmm. putting putting up everything as a family. All right, so I'm gonna really quickly uh, not gonna stop conversation. But I'm gonna turn mm -hmm. off this because my kids are now running around like crazy people. And I'm sure there that you makes go. for a wonderful loud yeah. radio. So uh, thank you for joining us for our meal. We'll have our sign off later. All right, so uh, after all that process, the interviews and everything, uh, what are your final thoughts on Bouillabaisse, Dana? Well, I think this year's Bouillabaisse was probably the best you've ever made. It was really, it was really, really good. Um, and the Rui was a nice addition. You think we'll do this one again? Um, yes, obviously. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you're interested in making Bouillabaisse and Rui, I got my recipe from Food and Wine. Um, it includes both the Rui and the Bouillabaisse. Um, and for making sourdough bread, I've been using the Clever Carrots sourdough bread recipe, which you can also find online. Um, they're quite spectacular. And we'll have links to those recipes posted uh, online somewhere. With yeah, on our, the Facebook page. On the Facebook page, uh, along with a link to this podcast. So a big thank you to um, Laurence Roti of Florida Cell in Post Falls, Idaho. I tried to make it out to his restaurant. Tried to go, I think I said, when um, 
do you think you might be able to run into Patricia, his wife, or into Laurent and get a chance to say hi and that we sent you? And thank you to our friend Lauren Armstrong, who came and ate bouillabaisse with us on Christmas Eve. It was delightful to have you, and we hope to have you over for dinner again soon. Make sure that you uh, like us on the Facebook page, that you share um, mm -hmm. with everybody. And if you have any questions or suggestions for episodes, uh, send us an email at neighborstablepodcast at gmail.com. Or uh, comment us on My Neighbor's Table on Facebook. Uh, you can find this, if you haven't already, on Podbean dot com uh yeah but think like us uh send us pictures of your food uh i actually put this challenge up if you send us a picture of your holiday table or if you like us or if you subscribe then we actually have a bonus episode on how to smoke salmon that i have put together that i can send out to you directly so make sure you let us know if you're going to do that uh, in the meantime eat something delicious and check out what's on your neighbor's table mm -hmm.